Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate it. <clears throat> good morning, everybody. How you feeling? Doing all right? All right, good. I love it. I love it. Grace and peace and justice to you all. Uh, <clears throat> thank you, guys, for journeying with us in this sermon series. Um, as we continue to unveil the often unseen connection between worship and justice. Last week, <clears throat> we introduced, no, the first week we introduced it to you. Last week, we talked about the corporate layer. Um, and this week, we're going to be diving into the personal aspect. All right, we're going to get into the, the, the text. Uh, I say, let's get personal. Let's get personal, all right? Um, and let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this time. Thank you for bringing us together. I pray, Lord, that you speak <clears throat> and speak mightily. Um, thank you for your truth. It is liberating truly, Lord God. We appreciate you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know who, I don't know if any of you had a long week, but but I had a long week. <laughs> um, I lost my wallet on Monday night. Tuesday morning, I injured my leg. Wednesday, I went to a funeral. Uh, but by the grace of God, a friendly random stranger returned my wallet on Friday. My leg is feeling better. And uh, so I don't know who needs to hear this, but uh, God restores and he heals. And um, we're going to find some of that in the message today, all right, for, for bizarre moments. <laughs> uh, but today I'm hyped because we get to dive into one of the most important, one of the most uh, popular books in the Old Testament and just in the Bible, flat out. And why I say the most popular or important is because it's quoted the most um, in the Bible, all right? We see it often quoted by Jesus, quoted in the New Testament, and it's her her heralded by scholars as one of the, like, brilliant pieces of literature. It's, like, considered like a Hebrew Shakespearean type of thing, right? Because it, it gives you uh, autobiography, it gives you narrative, it gives you poetry, it gives you prophecy, it gives you so much. Um, and this book is none other than the book of Isaiah, which means Yahweh is salvation. And it brings together central themes of judgment, justice, and restoration in the journey of Israel. And I got a special affection for Isaiah because it's number one in terms of mentions for justice in the whole Bible. And so I believe that God has something to say to us today from Isaiah, a lot to say to us today. And so I want to do something a little bit different than um, other sermons. Um, <clears throat> uh, the text is so rich. It's like a woven tapestry. And I, I kind of struggle trying to highlight which parts I wanted to highlight for you. <clears throat> and so I just thought it would be better and more beneficial for us all to kind of just come to the plate together. And, and, and so instead of giving you the text and then breaking it down, we're just going to go through the text together. How's that sound? And I'll give you like a play-by-play -play analysis or if you're in a sports or if you're not in sports, kind of like a live reaction video. You know how we watch other people watch things now today and see their expressions. And so you'll get, you'll get a live reaction from me. <clears throat> and so 
I always got to get a drink of water. I don't know. All right, so we're going to dive in in the book that we're going to get into today. We're going to do like 95% of it, but it's a short book, though. Isaiah 58. Powerful book. So let's go. Let's get into it. Get get your Bibles ready. All right. And the text says, shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion. To the house of Jacob, their sins. So we see God coming out the gate and he's talking to Isaiah and he's telling them to shout out. Don't hold back. Don't hold anything back. Some of the old folks would say, stand firm footed, fully throated. Give it your all. Be a trumpet. Or a whistleblower. Either way, your voice needs to get everybody's attention. It needs to be that loud. Loud about what? Well, we see a rebellion. A rebellion. A rebellion. What what comes to mind when you think of a rebellion? You see uh, open arm. You see a people group. You see resistance, right? And... That rebellion is usually the people coming against a crooked government, an oppressive government, and they're like saying enough is enough. We're all coming together. But this particular rebellion is a rebellion against the God that liberated them, the God that slowed to anger, the God that's gracious and faithful. And, and God is saying my people are rebelling against me. Let's keep going. Yet day after day, they seek me and delight to know my ways. As if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Okay, so we're getting a little bit of the picture now, a a, a hint on what's going on. It appears as look like Israel is seeking God day to day. That they're looking for his ways. But in the middle of verse 2, we see uh, some words that indicate some inconsistency. We see as if they were. As if they were a nation that practiced righteousness. As if they did not forsake God's ordinance. Which means they were not practicing righteousness. They were not honoring God's ordinance. And they're coming to God with their issue. But have you, we're all in different types of relationships and friendships. And have you ever been in a space where there's an offense that happens, but the issue is not necessarily addressed, but you guys just keep on going? Right? You just keep on following the, the regular motions of that friendship. You keep on laughing at the jokes or continue to share different things online or like their post and go to eat. And you just keep going on with the motions. But there's an undercurrent that there's something not right. Well, in this case, Israel is the one that did the offense and they're going on like everything is all good. 
Let's see what's happened next. What happens next? Verse three. It says, why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? So all of a sudden in the text, the voices shift. It's like the character changes. We see somebody else in the script, and this person is the people of Israel. And they got a piercing question for God. And what's that question? That question is, where are you, where are you at, God? Why, why don't you see us? Why are you not noticing us? They don't feel seen by God. Have you ever felt like that before? Not seen by God, not noticed by God. You're like, God, you don't, you don't see us struggling down here. You don't see the drop. You don't see my account. You don't see this, this issue of a mountain that's, that's been here. Why, why don't you feel seen by God sometimes? Why is it? Well, it may be because there's no change in the situation. There may be because there's suffering in the situation. Well, that's the reason why Israel feels this way. Right now, Israel is on hard times. It's interesting because last week we said that Israel was having a party. It was economic prosperity on somebody else's bill. And this week, now we're coming a little bit down the line. And now they are in hard times. And what happened in history was the Assyrian Empire came back around. As we we would say, they spun the block, or they, they was running the fade <laughs> to other people that's catching revenge, right? They, they came back around. I told you last week, the Assyrian Empire, they, they loosened their grip. They got defeated. Well, they, they went back, got uh, more geared up, and came back. And now Israel is in exile. <clears throat> and so they're on these hard times. And what else do we see in the text? We see they, they're saying, why do we fast? Why do we humble ourselves? So fasting is introduced in the picture. The fasting is in a prominent form of worship and devotion. Back then, as it is now, right? As it is now, it's turning down the plate. And they would turn down their plate, not eat from sunup to sundown. And usually this fasting was because of distress or they needed a revelation. Very similar to today, this fasting is extremely personal. It's personal. I cannot make you fast, my brother. If I make you, I'm starving you. (laughs) That's maltreatment. It is a personal decision between you and God. It's your personal devotion where you choose to deny yourself of the usual appetites and things that you would eat for God. And so now we're entering into this very personal space. I remember when I was younger, when I didn't know any sense, and we were wishing a happy birthday to, a, to an older lady, and I asked her, how old are you? She said, son, that's my personal business. And I'll, I'll never ask a woman her age again from that point on. But that was that moment I learned there are things that are people's personal business. 
that I don't need to know that, you know, none, none of my business. But either or here we are talking about fasting, which is your personal business. And God is speaking about their personal devotion and business towards him. And fasting is like a special level of commitment, right? You remember when you did your first fast and you made it? I remember my first, it was like hard. <laughs> but I got through that day. I was like, wow, we did it. I'm committed, right? And so here they're saying we have devoted this. We've given up some things. And we're still not seeing anything. What's, what's happening? Well, God is about to respond. Let's see what he says. Isaiah 58, the other half of the three, <clears throat> look, <laughs> I love the way God talks. He said, look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with the wicked fists. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Hmm. All right, so now we get more to the story. God brings more to the picture. If you were just to listen to the first part of the clip from Israel... It's like listen to your to your friend complain about relationship issues. And I'm old enough to know when I hear my boy talking about relationship issues, I always know there's another side to the story. And sometimes it might be his fault. And I don't dive into but but so now we see there's more to the story than what just Israel is saying. And so God says, "Wait a minute. Wait a minute." You're saying that you're fasting for me. You're saying that you're seeking me and you're delighting in my ways. But what I'm seeing is that you are looking out for your own interest. You are oppressing all your workers. You're even fighting and quarreling. And so basically God is saying, I see you just kind of going through the motions, what are those motions? Those motions, when they fasted back then, what does that mean when they had sackcloth and ashes and they would bow oneself down? Well, they would wear sackcloth and they would cover themselves in ashes. That was the indicator that they were fasting. That let everybody know, hey, I'm fasting, I'm humbling myself before the Lord. And God is saying, is that's all you're doing? That's all you're, you're just doing the motion, the ritual but when you're getting up from the ground and you're going home, you're looking out just for your interest. And it's interesting the order it goes in because I find that personal interest, your own interest, usually come before the oppression. It's like the appetizer. It's like the prerequisite before oppression. As as we know what slavery was and has in this country, it was one of the most inhumane things. But what happened before that? It was what drove that. It was the profiting, the personal interest. 
the, 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 the becoming a, a world power from free labor, the free childcare, the, the being able to focus on certain things because somebody else was doing it. It was, it was personal interest that drove it, that blinded it blinded them from their actual neighbors and actually ended up dehumanizing other people. And that is the same running script for injustice. And God says, you oppress people. And so your prayers are not even heard on high. He said, did I choose that fast? Did I? And the people are like, they're saying, in a sense, well, I come to church every day. I even go to small group. I, I even, I say my prayers. But God, I don't see anything. But God is saying, are you really doing that for me? Or are you doing that for you? Am I, am I like your lucky charm? If you do everything, then I give you what, exactly what you want? Because that's how other people saw the gods and their nations. They even, they even fed other gods. They even did all these things for other gods so the gods can come to their personal interest. Sacrifice other people. It was just crazy. And so here we see there's a major disconnect between what the people are giving and what God is receiving. And so let's move forward. He's going to, I love God. He's clear. Verse 6, is not this the fast that I choose? He's about to talk to us. To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Uh-oh. Then you light, then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. What is this? We keep seeing over and over every week. We keep seeing that our vertical relationship with God is not isolated by itself. It's not in its own cubicle, but it's connected to this horizontal relationship thing with people. Wait a minute. Our personal devotion is not just about us and God. I have a theory. I think today... 2022 that we lived in, our era has been so modernized. Everything has been so individualized. We don't even know. Like I, I used, I, I listened to an elder talk about how in his day, laundry used to be a community affair. Used to be, you, you didn't have a washer and dryer in your house. Well, we're in New York. We don't have a lot of washer and dryers in our homes, but it's still in our apartment building or on our block, right? But either or, you didn't have a TV in your house. You, you went to the drive-in. Everybody watched the movie together. When I was growing up, we didn't have a cell phone. We had one phone in the house, or two phones. And, and every now and then, your mom can ear hustle your, your conversation with your boo. 
and you you had you had uh, you were clocked on your time. I need to use the phone, right? You had to share a phone. In our modern day, we've been so individualized. I think that starts to come through with our relationship and our personal devotion with God, where we just see God as our individual God. Just put him in our pocket. He responds, apps. But there's more. God is trying to tell us, he said, that their voice won't be heard from heaven. And, and so I see this vision of heaven is not far from earth, that we cannot be so pious in our devotion that we are blind to the people around us. You see, when you go to God in all his glory and his majesty and his beauty, when you touch his heart, guess what? His heart is his people. So usually it's going to be connected to somebody else, right? Like you know it. I, I know when I go to God and the Holy Spirit starts convicting me, like you didn't need to say that that way to your wife. No, God, I'm talking about this, but but no. Why, why did you say that? Oh, I think you need to get this right, right? I can never, we, we, there's this thing that God checks in us when there's an ought with our neighbor, unless we just try to override it, right? And so, yes, God is our refuge. Yes, God is our safe place. He is there for us. But I think it's important, our personal worship and devotion it's not just an escape from injustice. It's a fuel to do justice. God's safe place is like a gas station, like a repair shop. And you don't take a car just to fill up or to repair, just to sit in a garage. No, you, you fill it up. You repair it to get on the road, to journey, to pick other people up, to explore. Because oftentimes we can just use our personal worship and devotion as just an escape. God is just our BFF. It's just between us and him. It's me, him, and we against the world. And we miss, we miss his heart. You see, what else is trending here? Oppression is a trending word. In the first act, last act, talked about you oppress all your workers now we see let uh it says loose the chains of injustice it says take off the yoke the yoke is what you will put on a, a mule uh, your neck can't move it's a it's burdensome they were taking off on their fast days and popping the whip harder on their laborers but wait a minute donald you just said they were in hard times you said they were under the Assyrian empire so what do you mean Yes, oppressed people can oppress people. Hurt people can hurt people. It's actually one of the key times that you feel less sensitive to other people's needs when you're going through something. And so each person has a power, has a power position. And, he's, and I love it because he says, you stop oppressing people. And then speak on it and stop it around you. But first, what are you responsible for? Each of us here, no matter our 
particular space, no matter our race or gender, we have power. Whether it's at work or whether it's at home, whether it's with your sibling, whether it's in school, there's somebody that is under you that your words and your actions can harm pretty badly. And we have to steward them. And we have to care for them. Now, I say outside of Christ, we are all oppressors. Sin and brokenness, it it just causes us to disrupt things. Now, I don't say that to, to, to neutralize everything. I don't say that to equivocate all oppression. There are still distinct injustices that people and people groups and and gender go through that need to be addressed accordingly. I, I, I shouldn't feel like if I'm pulled over, I might lose my life. My wife shouldn't feel like she can't be at a certain space or she's going to be raped or she's not going to get paid a certain amount. It, it should, children shouldn't feel like they, they can be abused. Like there are still certain things we have to call out. But that's been the problem. We just want to generalize sin and say, oh, when Christ comes back. No, no, no. But, but that's what they thought in slavery times. This is too big to end. But there was a few people that said, no, 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 this is not the way it's supposed to be. You can end certain unjust campaigns in our time. And so what does it say? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin. <laughs> sharing our bread you see the fasting is a self-denial and all of this giving is a self-denial it's it's right in line fasting is right in line with justice it goes together and injustice it doesn't it's like water and oil doesn't go good together but what does it say if you do this type of self-denial and we all have got family members (laughs) that we can um probably do less time without, right? That aunt, the uncle, the cousin, whatever. God says, don't hide from your kin. I don't know who needs to hear that. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn. Your healing shall spring up quickly. Injustice, there is light. There's clarity. There's healing. And and remember, they were saying, I can't see you, God. In verse 2, what does God say here? He says in 9, he says, here I am. You shall call. She'll cry for help, and I, here I am. It's a, it's a beauty, it's a, and, and he says, I have your rear, God. I got your back. God's presence is there for you and with you. Let's keep going. He says, if you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry, He's back on that. And satisfy the needs of the afflicted. Then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom like the noonday. Mm. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like the watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. That sounds like the, the mighty rolling down river of justice. Your, your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. 
Isaiah is preaching. I hope you're just letting it minister to you. These are the results of a true fast. Now, I want to point something out to you. In these verses, can you see all the ifs? If you, if you, then I, then I. Those sound like conditional statements to me. Uh-oh. Donald, are you preaching works? We're justified already. No, I'm, I'm not preaching works. I'm not talking about salvation. The, God is talking to his people. But what we're talking about is God is not going to sponsor unjust campaigns masked in our self-agenda, masked in our American dream, where we are stepping over other people, and we just call it competition. We got nice words to cover up our brutality towards each other. Newsflash, Christ came and died for the world. For the world, not a country, not, not a few people, but, but for the world. He died and bled for the world. And then he rose from the grave to connect the world back to the Father. The Bible says he has a ministry of reconciliation. So if a person is following Jesus, they have to be concerned about that world that he died for. Because if it's just for self, that person is off-brand of the kingdom. He says, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong and you will be like a watered garden. Doing justice is, is, is healthy. It's healthy to your soul. It's healthy to your spirit. And it's not just healthy for you, but it nurtures those around you. And I know we've been through injustice. All of us have felt the scars of injustice and been deceived, taken advantage of, mistreated. And what we often do is that means we find an escape place away from people. I've heard people say, hey, <clears throat> I come to church, I come get the word, and then I'm out. I ain't got time to deal with people and their fakeness and things like that. I'm like, my bro, you're missing, you, you're missing it. You're, you're, you're missing the whole point. You see, it may feel natural to run away, and at this time, we need to retreat and allow God to heal us. But that's only to build us up to come back, right? And it's actually doing justice is the healing part for our injustice. You see, hard times are not an excuse to not do justice. God is not waiting for us to feel strong, for us to feel empowered. He's not waiting for that sunny day where everything feels like everything's going right and then we feel, well, okay, now I can do justice. Because Israel is not in a place where they feel great. They feel on top of it. They feel empowered. But it's, it's sort of like when Jesus told, heal the leper, but they didn't see immediate healing. He said, go. As you go, you will be healed. 
And I see that sort of as justice. When you look out and you're loving your neighbor, as you go, as you do it, you will be healed. Sometimes the very thing that you're afraid of, the very pain that you have is a testimony to help somebody else come through what you've been through. Sometimes you're the very person to advocate for those that have been mistreated in the way that you have been mistreated. You have the words. You understand the temperament, the sensitivity that's needed for that person, maybe more than anybody else. And God wants to use that. And I just want to be clear here. I'm not saying that all suffering is due to wrong. I'm not pretending to know that your suffering is due to maybe an injustice or you doing wrong. I am pointing out in this case, Israel was. And there was something that, that was wrong that God wasn't pleased with, that, they, that there was a disconnect between their presence and him. But sometimes... Our suffering is for righteousness sake. Sometimes there is a thing called long suffering. Uh, Job didn't do any injustice, but yet, you know, he went through a bunch of suffering. And so if you happen to be in a suffering season right now, I'm not claiming to know why or suggesting why that is. But what I am asking and suggesting for you to do is to get consumed with God in your season. And if you're really getting consumed with God, you'll see his heart and you'll see what's in his heart and in his heart is the people. We would never be an island to ourselves in our personal worship. Our personal worship is, yes, connected to God, but it's also beautifully connected to our neighbor. Because all of us come from a certain certain space we're influenced by people where, you know, whether we are empowered or, or feel hurt in a certain space. But we have to learn how to intercede for others in our devotion time. Intercession goes a long ways. You remember the centurion man? He never went to Jesus in person. But he said, Jesus, if you speak the word for my servant, he will be healed. And God, Christ, was amazed by his faith. What does your intercession look like in your personal devotion with God? As the worship team comes forward, you understand this is just like Christ. Where we deny ourselves for the greater good. This is consistent with his words. He said, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. You see, when you follow Jesus, if you study the Gospels, Jesus was often teaching, often healing, moving. They're like, Jesus, we need you over here. Okay, I'm over there. Jesus, we need you 
He's he's he has such a love for the people. And as we follow Jesus, there is a giving up of self. And today, I'm not trying to discourage you from following the things that God has put in you, because some of those things God wants to use that for his glory, for his glory. And in his glory is justice. In his glory is restoration. What does the text say? Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach. See, we, children of God, we are restorers. We are repairers. For every broken line in our family, God has given us the power to bring our families together. God has given us the power to bring our communities together. God has given us the power to bring our workplaces together. But it can't just be about our personal agenda. The funeral I went to this weekend, um, this week was my, my great aunt, Mildred. She was 79 years old. And it was hard, but it was also beautiful because this woman, I found out so much about her. She, she gave her life. She was a, a baker. She sung in the choir. When she was sick, they said she was praying for other people in the hospital. Pastor came to pray for her. She's like, I want to pray for you. <laughs> it's just she was a, a, a cup, God's cup to pour out. And she saw that. And she impacted so many people in our lives. And can we be a cup of God to pour out? Can we be God's living conduit, a river of life? A watered garden. So that is the call. That is the beautiful call. And when you do this call, God is with you and his presence is with you. And and he will be your rear guard. Again, we have opportunities for you to do this with us through the Seek Just Action Initiative. Downstairs, you see a table. We are just really trying to be a church about his business. We're just really trying to partner with organizations that are meeting needs and bringing our light just as a good neighbor. And so I encourage you again and for you to check it out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you, Lord. Thank you for your heart. You are a you are an amazing God. Lord, we invite you into our personal space. You created it. And Lord, let us be, we come transparent and humble and asking for your forgiveness of where we have forgotten our neighbor, where we have forgotten our sibling, our kin. We ask for forgiveness of where we may have been a little bit too focused on our agenda and not your agenda. We, we pray, Lord God, that you reset, reset our minds and give us the balance and wisdom how to utilize all that you've given us for your glory and honor. And heal us, O oh Lord God, from, our inju- from the injustices that we have suffered. And help us to be a repairer of the breach. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.